You know, I, I think there are um, at least two phrases that, uh, as followers of Jesus, can, uh, if they roll off of our, our tongue with, with meaning and, and honesty, uh, can really uh, be a witness to Jesus, can, can separate us um, from the ways of the world. And uh, I'm sure there, there are more, but um, this is a, a list that I'll uh, be, be working on here for the next uh, several years. But one is, I am wrong. Yeah, we can say, I am wrong, because uh, we're not, we practice it. You know, every time that we gather, when we confess our sin before, before God, and we know we don't uh, need to hide and run or justify ourselves before God, because in Christ we're forgiven and we can honestly um, say that we are wrong. And I think the other is our topic for the day, I have enough. You know, what a radical thing it would be if, if all the Jesus followers would simply say, we have our basic needs, we have enough. And the rest, God gives to us to be redirected for, for, for His purposes outside of us. For His work of proclaiming the good news, of, of, of being the good news. What a radical witness and difference that, that would be in our world as we learn to say... I have enough. We've been walking with, uh, on this journey of, uh, of the secret of being rich and poor, and we recognize anew that, that God owns it all, uh, that uh, God not owns it all and also is generous with us. So we, we live in the abundance of God's grace and mercy and God's provision. We do not live in the scarcity of uh, got to be sure we get our piece of the pie. And we learn to live in, in this world of having our, our needs pursued and, and met and distinguishing even between our needs and our wants. Now, granted, it's a moving target um, to, to, to say, I have enough. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's not a, a list of rules. If you want a list of rules, well, you ought to know by now. I'm not going to give you a list of rules. You know I mean, it, it's about relationship. It's about engaging with God um, because it's a moving target to say, I have enough. And I ran across this um, from uh, The Atlantic, an article in The Atlantic, um, uh, which is a magazine. Um, the... Uh, and how quickly yesterday's luxuries become today's needs. All right? In, uh, in 1900, um, less than 10% of families, less than 10% of households owned a stove or had access to electricity or phones of any kind. It was 1900, just a little over 100 years ago. In 1915... Now, participate here. Less than 10% of families owned a, what do you think? Car. Very good. Very good. In 1930, so just a little less than 100 years ago. In 1930, less than 10% of families owned a, what do you, what, well, I think I heard it back, it uh, wasn't a radio, it was a clothes washer or a refrigerator. 1930. In 1945, less than 10% of families owned a... What do you think? Uh, you're a little early on the TV. Uh, you're, 
clothes dryer or air conditioning in 1945. In 1960, that was whoever said TV. Color, color TV. 1960, it was color TV and a dishwasher. You know, now the question is how many color TVs you know, do we own or have? But that was just in 1960. In 1975, less than 10% owned a, no, not a computer. Well, I'm sure that was correct, but uh, not a, little, a microwave. In 1975, less than 10% of the families owned a microwave. And then 1990s, it was cell phone and access to the internet. Just 22 years ago, the uh, less than 10%. Now today, at least 90% of the country have all of those things. So in 100 years, all of those have gone from less than 10% to now over 90. So this is a moving target. This is not an easy task to say, I have enough. And to say that we have enough enough. It is, it is really a, a balancing act of walking with God in our changing world on a journey towards contentment in Christ. And in a sense, that's, that's the answer, right, that what we just were singing. You know, I mean, if we find our contentment, our meaning, our identity in Christ then we don't find it in anything else. We don't find it in stuff. We don't find it in money. We don't find it in our possessions. That's why this is a journey of a relationship with Christ, of of rejoicing and celebrating in Him. And it's why on this journey, what may be more important are good questions. You know, are good, good questions of, of what do we find our identity in? What do we find our purpose in? Good questions about asking ourselves, right, how am I spending the money, the time, the gifts, the resources that God has entrusted to my care? Am I balancing appropriately what God has given to me for me? And then those things that God has given to me for outside of me, for the extent of His, his church, uh, for the care of the needs of others around me. And have we learned to say, I have enough? I invite you to um, look, we'll look at a couple passages as we walk through this together. First one is in Proverbs. Let's. Uh, Pull that uh, proverb up in Proverbs 30, verses 8 um, and 9. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, as we hear from your written word, speak to us, um, guide us, uh, teach us, uh, form us. Continue to draw us closer to you um, so that indeed we might be that witness to you, that radical witness that, that learns from you to say, I have enough. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that I need. Or I shall be full 
and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or I shall be poor and steal and profane the name of God. Uh, the wisdom, the wisdom of Proverbs. See that, that, down, that, that dance there, that balancing act, you know. Uh, Lord, put me in that, that place where I don't forget you uh, or that I deny you in the, the things of this world. And I'm afraid that, that our, our American setting today really feeds that, that sense of being discontent, that sense of being bored, um, that sense of being unsatisfied, of, of always wanting more. You know, I forget now who it was, and I couldn't find it in any of my notes or studying. I couldn't even find it on Google. But uh, um, they asked a, a, business, a young businessman when he, when he made his first million. So now you made your first million. Now what are you going to do? Work for my second. Yeah, that's, that's within us. You know? that, that is uh, what, what feeds us to, to keep going, to always want more. You know, Jennifer Aniston. Uh, how many of you know who Jennifer Aniston is? You know, a few, uh, you know, good, good many of you probably know more about Jennifer Aniston than you do um, N.T. Wright, who's a great theologian. Um, but um, Jennifer Aniston, and I don't pick on Jennifer. I like Jennifer. She seems to be really n- normal, but, you know, I only see her on movies, so who knows. Um, but do you know how much she spends... On her appearance. You know, that, that she uh, has all kinds of skin treatments, all kinds of hair treatments, personal yoga classes, personal dietitian, um, personal strength coach, and, and all uh, these kind of things because of the, the necessity of appearance in our day um, for, for her. And that this is a normal practice. For, for people who lead us in the entertainment industry, which, by the way, is the, the way that we hear most of our information. You know, that, that's where we get formed. Well, she is, spends $141,000 a year on her parents. $141,000 a year. And that's normal, the way that it works, and what leads us, what, what is feeding our sense of, of malcontent, feeding a sense of, of boredom, a sense of always wanting more, of not being satisfied. Or leading us to find our satisfaction, our meaning, our purpose in something else, than Jesus. I invite you to turn to, to Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 through 21. Or we'll start with 16. It's a parable Jesus is telling. Then he told them a parable The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. 
relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God. You know, doesn't this parable just highlight the brilliance of Scripture? I mean, I almost don't need to say a thing. And yet what was spoken off of Jesus' lips 2,000 years ago, we can fully relate to today. But don't worry, I will say a few things. This, how this speaks to every human, whether rich or poor, about how we, we find our meaning, our purpose, our security in our stuff instead of in God, where we find real value and meaning. Uh, note here, this, this is a soliloquy. You know, this, this man is talking to himself. He's not talking to God. He's not talking to others. He's simply talking to himself. And he even has a little uh, time in there where it's like he is his own God. You know, that little interaction, soul. What would you do, soul? And he's, it's almost like a prayer that he's praying to himself. Crucial to recognize in this question, here, in, in this situation here, where it would have been a great time for him to have said, I got enough. I don't need to build bigger barns. I've got enough. But that never crossed his mind either. It would have been nice if that question had crossed his mind. If he'd engaged with God. If he'd engaged with others in, this, in his wonder of what he does now, what he has beyond his needs Maybe it would have crossed his mind that God had provided for him so that then he could provide for the needs of others and the work of his church. I mean, just look at the passage. Go through and see all the eyes and the mys that he uses. I mean, what if he'd stopped and asked, asked the question, for what purpose, God, have you entrusted these resources to me? How different the story might have been if he'd stopped and looked around in conversation with others and said, what are the needs of the world around me? I propose to you that one of the first things we must do in order to ask the question, to learn to say I have enough, is always with the stuff that God has entrusted to us, we got to talk to God about it. God, what would you have me do with this? God, why have you entrusted this to my care? It's a, a, a crucial missing element in this parable. Note to verse, verse 20 at the, uh, the end, you know, it's always, this is crescendo, this is always, you know, clashing of symbol times when you see in scripture, but God. Sometimes it's really good news, but God has saved us. Sometimes it's really bad news. And that's what happens here. But God said to him, you know, the thing is, 
He was trying not to have a conversation with God. The point is, he's going to have a conversation with God. Whether he wants to or not, so we might as well go ahead and have it now. So God intersects with this man and says, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. You know, that language there is the same language used when a loan has come due. And it fit just perfectly with the notion that all that we have is not ours. Everything we have really belongs to God and it's entrusted to us. Even our mind, even our bodies. And so that when God would meet him, he would say, okay, the loan's now due. What'd you do with it? What'd you do with what I've entrusted to your care? I submit to you that as we seek on, the, on this journey to learn how to say, I have enough, that we talk to God and that we talk to others. That we recognize what we have has been given to us for a reason and a purpose, uh, both our needs and God's plan, as we talked about last week. But there are voices all around us that we must be alert to. I mean, billions of dollars are spent on advertising every year. And they have one purpose. And that is to manufacture a need in me and in you. It is to to tell us what, what we need to be satisfied. And, you know, I I don't know how it's going to happen... But because I've seen it and heard it throughout my life, somehow or another, caramel-colored sugar water is going to bring world peace. I don't know how Coca-Cola is going to do it, but that message has been ingrained in me since I was a child. I propose to you to, to broaden your experiences with those in need. To talk to God and broaden your experiences with the places of the world that are in need. Take reverse mission trips. Don't go to do, but go to watch and listen and learn in the parts of the world that have nothing. If you can't go, watch a documentary or read the book. Broaden your experiences to the needs of the world. Pilgrimages to places of need. I mean, go to those places where there's no electricity or hot water. Realize through those experiences how much it's so easy to take for granted. You know, for me, this week, I I did the the spending journal and I realized I don't spend money much. Um, I mean, in the sense of having something paper in my hand, like a dollar bill with George Washington's picture on it, you know, and give it to another. It's to put a credit card in here or it's just sort of watch the money go because they automatically, you know, are taken out. You know, I mean, but one day I was just saying, you know, I didn't spend any money. I didn't spend any money yesterday that I know of. But then, you know, I realized the air conditioning was on. The lights were on. I had clothes on. I just got in the car. You know, and insurance for that, paying for that electric. I mean, all the stuff that gets paid in ways I just take for granted because in this automated Age. Broaden our experiences with those uh, those where there is is significant need. Yes, it's painful. 
But, you know, one of the popular songs these days is a quote from uh, 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 Dick Seipel, who is the uh, founder of uh, World Vision, who said, you know, Lord, break our hearts for the things that break your heart. Leverage those experiences. Leverage even that, that pain so that we live in the truth of our abundance and not in denial. I'll never forget taking a group to Haiti a number of years ago and Matthew Ketchum at the time was a teenager. And he came back from that trip and had one of the greatest lines. He just said, you know, I'm because we lived in a rural Haiti. I mean, there was nothing. No electricity, uh, no, no hot water, no running water. I mean, you had to walk, you know, half a mile to get water. I mean, all of that kind of experience. And he came back and he just said, man, I'm never going to say I'm bored again. Yeah, and it's interesting, I found out that the word bored is only about 200 years old. It didn't exist over 200 years ago. That, that can be found. And it's an English word. It's not derived from any... We invented it. We invented the word bored, that I am bored. And, and in a lot of other cultures, there's no word to translate it into. Because they just don't have that experience. You know, they have a, a, an amazing capacity for what we would call tedium. Just sitting under trees and talking and enjoying and being. But all, all of that around us feeds, feeds that malcontent and prevents us from saying, I have enough. Talk to God. Talk to God about the stuff you have, about the stuff that God has entrusted to us. Broaden our experiences in the world. See what is going on. And I would say practice sarcasm, cynicism, and doubt at every commercial you see. Now, just put a filter on. You know, as a friend of mine used to always plays the game with commercials, catch the lie. And, and finally, note this, that, that, that the scriptures didn't call us to find our contentment, our satisfaction, to find our fullness in God. Yeah. Find our meaning in Him, to, to worship Him, enjoy Him, find our identity in Him, our contentment in Him. Barry, let's just look at the Philippians um, passage. Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. We learn how to say enough, that I have enough, as we learn to find our contentment in Christ. As we learn, no matter what our circumstances, to find our strength in Him. Amen.